new beginnings today. I love these. I love jumping off into something new. I love the fact that we're going to be in, in the scriptures. I love the fact that we're going to be doing Bible verses and not necessarily topical. Um, Cy and I were sitting in the office uh, probably in the last week and a half or so, and we were talking about what was going to come next with everything that's going on. It is hard to plan ahead for anything. You guys know that, even series, and we want God to speak to us. And so she looks up and she says, it needs to be something that has to do with selflessness, selflessness. It needs to be something that has to do with others focused, all right? It needs to be something that has to do with not self-centered. And she was saying this with genuine love for all of you, me, and everybody around her, but she was being serious. Listen to me. Listen to me very closely. Bigger than corona, bigger than racism, bigger than politics, listen to me, is the sin of me. Because all of those things are being magnified by the sin of me. What I think is good, what I think is right, and who I can rally around me in my cause. Who can I get in the car with? Who can I vacation with? And as we talk, we talk about the things that I want to talk about. Don't mention masks because we're a non-mask area. Don't mention sending your kids back to school because this is a homeschool area. Don't mention black, white, red, or green because this is a Jesus loves the little children area. And I surround myself with people who make me feel right. Listen to me. Popularity doesn't make it right because you think it doesn't make it right. In fact, the world as a whole is seriously lacking in an understanding of what makes it right. And if you're sitting in this room and you don't agree with me, you can leave now because the rest of this is going to be a waste of time. Only God makes it right. Only the scriptures are a firm foundation. And everything that stands opposite of them is wrong. In the minute we get rid of the rich young ruler's problem, great kid, Great resources, great family, couldn't get the biggest problem out of the way. All these things I have done since I was a boy, so what must I do to get into heaven? And in so many words, Jesus didn't say, can't help you. But he knew in his heart that this one was already over. He knew. So we're going to take on one of, one, if not my favorite, one of my favorite books. A book full of joy. A book full of hope. A book full of peace. A book that, sh if you read it, if you really read it, if you know what's going on, it actually shines. It can't help but shine. It's words on a page and it's just like, it's like opening up that book in that one Harry Potter movie and the light just burns and shoots out and sucks you in. That is Philippians. Come and get me, says Paul, from a prison cell in a dark place on a floor with concrete walls around him. How do you get like that? How do, how do you get like that? How do you live your life with such fervor? And this happens, folks, when you live your life... Okay, first, Paul was a bad man. 
Saul actually was a bad man. Killed people, killed Christians, persecuted them, stood over, laughed about it, gave his resume, best of the best, highest of the high, and then God struck him down, brought him up. All of that was gone. Paul is now a God-sending, God-going, second greatest missionary to ever walk this planet to Jesus himself. Wrote half the New Testament, all right? Listen, let me tell you something about him. You probably don't want to be friends with Paul. Let's just get real, okay? Paul's not the guy you call up and say, let's go have coffee, ice cream, let's hang out. If you wanted to learn, if you wanted to be told, <laughs> that's Paul, all right? You didn't serve on a committee with him because he was always right. And he wasn't just always right because he thought he was always right. Dagnabbit, he was actually always right. But I can tell you why he was always right. Because for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is not I, but Christ lives in me. He bore no resemblance to his old self. None of that got in the way. He died so that Christ could live in him. And so he sits in a cell when a common man would be broken. He took the flogging. He took the rods. He took the cast out to sea. He took the snake bites. He went to the islands where no one would go. And now he sits in the floor of a cell. He's got his boy Timothy there to visit because he can't hardly write. And the two of them are giggling, not about how all the things are bad and how bad the food are, but how awesome they're feeling, how wonderful God is. And they want to write letters to tell one of their favorite churches about it. Where do you find that kind of joy? Only in Jesus. Well, how do I find it? Get rid of you. And I'd like to tell you that we're going to make headway this morning, but we're not. Two verses. That's all we're going to get to. But that's all we're going to need. And my only aim this morning is for you to drink from the cup of Paul and Timothy's joy from the cell because it's delicious. And there's no way for you to understand it until you know how they said it. So we're going to look at the book of Philippians, all right? And it's not up yet, so hopefully it'll come up, all right? We're going to look at Philippians, and Preston will follow along if he doesn't. Let's read the first two verses first. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and the deacons, grace and peace. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace to you from God our Father to the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this first. Three times in two verses, in six lines, three times they say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Drink that. They say the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because these two guys, when they're writing their letter, they can't get enough. They, they don't even think it. It doesn't just come out. They say it. Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't we feel that way? Because we sing, your name is like honey on my lips. We sing it, but we don't understand it. For Paul and Timothy, they couldn't get enough of it. It saturated everything that their spirits tasted. I yearn for me to get there. I yearn for you to get there. That when you say the name of Jesus, there is a power and authority that is beyond all measure, but there is a taste, a flavor that you can't even imagine that makes you want more of it. Three times in two verses, 
and you think they're smiling at each other, and they send this Jesus. They send the name, the name that is above all name, the name that at every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess. They send this name to the people at Philippi. Hey, church. Hey, church leaders. Hey, church servants. Grace and peace to you. Now, interesting side note, okay? Grace and peace are two words in the Greek. Those two words are charis and arene. Next slide. Charis and arene, all right? And, and you need to understand what those words are, and that's the rest of the message. But first, you need to know what it looked like when they addressed a letter. When we address a letter, it says, dear sir. Or when we greet someone, it says hello. Or when we um, say something to someone, it says welcome, all right? It, the initial greeting, the greeting was always Karen, all right? Karen, very appropriate for our time, right? Way to go, Karen. All right? Well, Timothy and Paul were playing on a word. It, it is. You know, Cairo, Alpha, Rho, all of those, Iota. Sigma, it was an N instead of an S. Everything else was the same. So the traditional greeting was Karen. So the people were expecting to read the word Karen, but there's a one-letter change that goes from Karen to Charis, from hello to wow to bam. And Paul and Timothy are going, man, that was smooth. I can't wait till they read this, and I hope they get it. And church, that's what I want for you. I can't wait for us to read this, and I hope that you get it. And in order to get it, we have to break down these two words, all right? We absolutely have to. We have to break down these two words, all right? So, charis and arene, grace and peace. Here is a list of all of the things that the word charis means in the New Testament, all right? This is going to be really awkward unless we fix this or you keep up. There's a list. There we go. All right. All right. Grace, favor, joy, pleasure. Do you want me to bring this to you? Gratification. All right. I'm going to come out of the camera. Come here, Mr. Jim. Take this to Preston. All right. Grace, favor, joy from within, pleasure, and gratification. Now, when we talk about grace, all right, the, the simplest, the simplest um, definition of grace will be needed but not deserved. If you want to carry that with you, write it down. That is the simplest definition of grace out there, needed but not deserved. And it is accurate. Grace is something that you need to save you, all right? But you cannot earn and you do not deserve it, okay? This is the story of the woman at the well, all right? This is the story of all of the sinners in the New Testament, the disciples and the mistakes and the falling down, the, the Peters of this world who denied Jesus right there and then become great leaders of the church. This is grace that is given to us, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, okay? These are those things. Now, it means more than just grace, though. It means favor. Not flavor, although you really ought to use that in here. Favor. All right, so have you ever noticed that things come in threes and, and when it rains, it pours? All right, this will go wrong, and then this will go wrong, and then this will go wrong. I get up the other morning, 6 o'clock in the morning, all right, and your alarm's going to go off at 6, but your dog starts whining at like 5.40 and won't shut up, so you lose that 20 minutes, and he won't shut up, and it's right before the alarm goes off. So the alarm goes off, you get up, you go out, everything's still going to be fine until you turn the car starter, and nothing happens. Not a click, not anything. 
and nothing happens, all right? And then you get down to the church, and it's all well and good, but then, you know, you try to crack the first egg, and it's one of those rotten ones, okay? And everything just absolutely, and it's just boom, boom, boom. You know, you, no, no, this is just me. Nobody ever has that happen. It also happens with good things, right? Something good happens, and then something else good happens. All right, listen, this is what this word means on the good side. It means favor. It means I hope for you that everything that happens to you today is like Tinkerbell sprinkled her dust on you and it's that good. That is what Paul's wish is. He says, I, I, wish, you, I wish you'd fly. I wish for you only good things. That even if your car battery's dead, that you flip it and it goes, and you would never know it. He, he's calling favor upon them. Joy from within, all right? When, listen, when you get mad, all right, do your children know it before you say a word? Why? Because joy shows where? On your face, all right? That's right. Your expression says it all. And Paul says, I toss upon you this word that says, my hope for you is that everyone who sees you, when I see you, it's just covered in joy that overflows from within you. Pleasure. Whoa, now. We're Christians. And technically, we're Baptists also. So this whole, these next two words, young man, is pleasure, gratification. Those aren't things we ought to be seeking out, eh? Yeah, you should. You really Really should. Delight in the Lord, says the psalmist, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Ask whatever you ask in my name, and your joy will be complete. John Piper, one of the best theological minds of our day, who doesn't have 100% of my supporter passion, he's a man, but he's got about 95% of my support, all right? And here's what he says. He wrote in a book that flipped Christians upside down this phrase, I am a Christian hedonist. <laughs> Hedonism Hedonism is a religion in and of itself that says I will sleek, sleek. No, seek the pleasures of my body. I will eat what gives me pleasure. I will take for myself whatever gives me pleasure. I will go off to an island and create resorts where hedonistic behavior takes over and we pleasure ourselves all around. That's hedonism. And this guy says, I am a Christian hedonist. Why? Because God designed his baby boys and his baby girls to take in an intense amount of pleasure that he poured out on us. But we have made sex and we have made food and we have made love and we have made forgiveness such awful things because we've made them what we want. We've perverted them into what we think they ought to be and we take no pleasure in them anymore. I run in the path of your commands for you have set my heart free. Running all of the things that God provided for his children inside the parameters that he set forth to play the game brings more pleasure than this world could fathom. And we've ruined it by perversion. All of it perversion. 
Not just sex. We use perverting with sex. He's a pervert. You can pervert food. It's called gluttony. You can pervert alcohol. It's called drunkenness. You can pervert communication. It's called slander. And Christians need to stop and take a claim on all of the things that God provided for them and run in the path that he provided them. And we will delight pleasure. And here's what Paul says. I throw at you a word that says, hey, church, I miss you. I love you. And Tim and I just want you to have grace, favor, joy from within, pleasure, gratification. Come on, taste and see that the Lord is good. And that's just Karis. He also wants a little bit of a rainy. But before I get there, we've got to talk. There was a movie, and he, this guy in this movie, and if you've never seen this movie, look it up, find it, Amazon it. It's called Listen to Me. It's Kirk Cameron, but it's before Kirk Cameron only did godly Jesus fireproof kind of stuff, okay? It's Kirk Cameron right after Family Ties, not, not Family Ties, right after Growing Pains and before all of the other stuff, okay? Now listen to me. It's a great movie. Great movie. It's about a debate team. And they, they debate the whole idea of abortion all the way through it. It's not Christian. It's not non-Christian. Listen, it's just a really good movie. All right? However, there's a phrase in there, uh, his, his rich friend who gets by on his trust fund, um, and his, 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 um, his professor used to use this phrase, my old friend Dostoevsky used to say, because they're debaters. They quote writers all the time. Well, as my old friend Dostoevsky. Well, today I'm quoting my old friend Zodiates, who wins points for his name alone, all right? This is from Spiros Zodiates, all right? And if this phrase doesn't just rise up within you, all right, Eddie Murphy, come on. If this phrase doesn't rise up within you, you and Jesus need to have a serious conversation. Listen to me. Grace is the absolutely free expression of the love of God finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of God. Say it again. It's like Mufasa. <laughs> listen, listen, church. Grace is the absolutely free expression of the love of God finding its only motive in the bounty and benevolence of God. It is all overflow. Have you ever done something for someone else and deep down inside of you, you knew that there was something to gain from it or somebody does something for somebody else and they tell you about it and deep down inside you know that there's something you can gain from it. We do good because in the end there may be a little bit of getting. We're human. We can't help it. Let me ask you a question. Can God gain? Theologically, let's think about this. Can God gain? The answer is no. Do you know why the answer is no? Because he has everything. If you are the owner of all things, there is no adding to who you are or what you have. There is no adding to that. So when God gives, he gives out of his abundance that is also never ending, expecting nothing in return because you can't return anything to a full cup. You understand? Now we can scientifically break that down and you can say, Craig, well, I've seen it where you can fill a cup with water and then drop 25 pennies in and the water won't fill over. I have no idea why I just sounded like Bill Clinton right there. That was... 
Did anybody else notice that? I didn't know I had that one in the repertoire. Ah, that was funny right there. Listen to me. Grace finds its amazingness, listen to me, in its source. And from its source, its only offering comes from the abundance of who he is. Never ending, never failing, and all about his benevolence, his desire for you to have the freedom that comes with grace. And he, wouldn't that be enough? Wouldn't that be enough? But Paul says, no, have a sprinkle of arene. What is arene? It is the New Testament version of what they would bless one another with all through the Old Testament. Shalom, a covering of peace. But there is so much more to this word in the New Testament than just peace, all right? Listen to me. It means all kinds of good. Don't just, he says, I don't wish upon you an abundance of numbers in your sanctuary, even though that would be good. I don't wish upon you some peace from your distress because that would be good. I don't wish upon you love to garner your heart and your community because that would be good. I wish upon you all of the good. I want you to have the love, but don't shun the grace because you have the love. I wish you to have. Do you understand that God is saying this particular buffet you can eat freely from and never be gluttonous? Eat, drink, be merry. It's peaceful over here. And even though your body cannot comprehend it, your spirit absolutely can. Test and see. He also calls us to oneness, which is a pillar of our congregation, to unity, to be connected by the only thing we have together, and that is we are sinners saved by the bountiful grace of God, and that brings peace among us because we understand who we were without him and who we are with him. It means rest. Listen to me, not sleep. Listen to me, not quiet, not what it means. It means rest. Is there anybody who would love to be able to have a few more hours of sleep in the week? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if that's you. Is there anybody who would also love to be able to go through a very full day of, of work, of social work? I know, gosh, I don't even fathom. Of, of parenting, of managing stores, of taking care and trying to get pictures of babies and please mommies, and then come home and have to please uh, children and husbands and meals and then field phone calls. Was there anybody who would like to go through all of those things and lay their head on their pillow at night and absolutely believe in their heart that they are fully rested and fully loved and fully at peace before they fall asleep? Who wants that pill? Erene. Well, Craig, that is not possible. None of this is. Listen to me. None of this is. Because we have perverted one of the greatest scriptures, and it's at the end of this book. And as Paul speaks of all of these things, he hearkens his own mind to this verse. I can do 
all things through Christ who gives me strength. But that verse taken away from all that he has promised in Christ is irrelevant. He's not talking about a golf swing and a hole in one. He's not talking about the sales you need to make today. He's not talking about the love you need to receive from this spouse or this child today. He's talking about none of that. He is talking about everything that I have created for you and called for you to do is possible with me with you. And when that happens, and you're working alongside all the power, all the glory, all the honor, when you're working alongside not a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline, the Holy Spirit of God that rests upon us, you will have rest because the work for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And that doesn't mean diet. Peace without noise. This is not noise, audible noise. Listen to me. It includes audible noise, but that's not what this means. This is an interpersonal, personal communication thing. Let me explain. If you've ever had interpersonal communication in college, here's what you know. There's a diagram in there of two you know, faces, and they're, they're talking to one another, okay? And the word noise is written out here, and it could be emotions. It could be sound. It could be battles. It could be um, anxiety. It could be a hundred million things that cause the communication not to come through. What if we lived in a world where those things did not hinder how God speaks to us, how we speak to God, how we speak to fellow believers, and how they speak to us? Peace is a lack of the noise. It is overcome by the Spirit of God and harmony. Woo! When all of these things come together, when all of these things come together, it's not just do, 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 do. It's not just do, 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 do. It's not just do, 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 do. All of the melodies that we all know, it's Beethoven and Strauss and, and Bach. It's chords laid on top of chords and talents laid on top of talents and men and women and children and unity of the body of Christ working together, many members, one body. And that is a beautiful chorus. And in it is peace. When we think of peace, we think of the absence of conflict. We think of the absence of war. And it is one of the greatest tragedies of the Christian era and of the community of Christ. And I'm going to tell you why. Because when you are afraid of chaos and when you are afraid of conflict, you become a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker. Listen close. God does not say blessed are the peacekeepers, for they will... No, that's not how it goes. Blessed are the what? Peacemakers. In the Old Testament, when did God's children experience years, decades of peace? On the other side of every war. Sometimes there are battles in order for peace to reign. Here's what I mean. In a community, if your brother has sinned and it might be against you, go to him. If he listens, you have won him over. If not, take another, a believer, someone who loves with you, and the two of you win them over. Will it cause conflict? It absolutely might. Will there be despair between you? There absolutely might be. Will there be some name-calling? Sometimes. Will there be some immature things that happen and tail feathers shown? Absolutely. But on the other side of God's plan, there is a peace, listen, that passes all understanding. And it's the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers, that are what the kingdom of heaven is like. 
Here's the last tidbit and we're done. You ready for this? Most of us remember the word peace or remember peace on earth, goodwill toward men or remember every beauty pageant we've ever heard. What do you want? Well, peace. What would you like to ask for in this world? Well, peace. What is the, describe your best day. I think April 27th. Y'all, you missed Eugenia. All right, some of you got that joke, okay? Listen, you need to understand something about Erene, about God's peace, and it will change your life if you let it. You ready? The word peace appears all through the New Testament. Jesus, and it's the church, and it's the gospels, right? It's everywhere in the New Testament, all right? When we speak of peace, we talk about something we create for tomorrow, right? I want world peace. I want to do what it takes to get to peace. Whether you intend to or not, you're speaking about something tomorrow, which would be future, right? Every time the word peace appears, in this form, in the New Testament, except for one, it is present tense. God is not the God of what is to come only. He is also the God of now. Believers need to quit living for a kingdom that they will eventually get to. Jesus' prayer was, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God has every intention of blowing our minds when we are with him and get to be with him. But he makes us a promise that that is, can be in the here and the now. That the peace that we can experience through Christ that passes all understanding will guard our heart and our minds now, not tomorrow, not someplace we can get to. Paul and Timothy are saying, Philippi, here. NBC, here. I throw this upon you. Greetings in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the church of our Lord Jesus Christ. May Charis and Irene cover you. And when it does, may the world be brighter and may the world be more full and may the world have hope because of it. May your melodies and your harmonies resonate in your communities so that the world may know this is only of God. favor, delight, gratification, flavor, savor, oneness, unity, hope, all kinds of good. Pour out your spirit, Lord, on all your people. Pour out your mercy, grace. Pour out your charis, Lord, on all your people. Pour out your arena, Lord. Pour out your shalom on all your people. Let it rain. Let it rain. Open the floodgates of heaven on our community and beyond this morning and let it rain on us in Jesus' name.